0: Hello and welcome back to 365 days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, videomaker, Oakland native, and a fact-checker. I'm also a huge fan of history. I love untold stories, gross facts, hidden secrets, anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. But you knew all that already. Each day I'm going to share one of my favorite deep cuts with you, so let's take a look at today's stories. It's 365 with MXM Tune. Every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff. No, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's Today, in 2020, Twitter added a warning label to Donald Trump's tweets for the first time. This label warned about factual inaccuracies in the former president's tweets. Let's take a look at how this all went down. I think it's safe to say that George Washington could have never imagined a world where U.S. presidents would communicate with their constituents via 280-character messages sent through a private company's platform. We've come a long way from delivering news on horseback, but whether you're sharing the news on TV, the newspaper, or a carrier pigeon, one thing remains the same. Facts are important. It might be hard to remember a pre-Twitter presidency, but typically, presidents will communicate with the public by releasing official White House press releases or making a speech on TV or radio. It makes sense now that politicians are using social media, too. If you want to reach the most people, meet them where they are. Not all Americans have cable and not everyone keeps up with the White House press releases, but President Trump took this to an extreme, using his Twitter to immediately communicate whatever thoughts came to his mind, and since he was president, his words had enormous weight. During his presidency, Trump used his Twitter to threaten nuclear war with North Korea. He called the polls rigged every time his approval rating dropped, he accused President Obama of wiretapping Trump Tower with no evidence, and once COVID hit, he constantly called it the China virus, contributing to an uptick in anti-Asian harassment and violence. I could keep going, but if I did, this would be our longest episode yet. According to federal law, it's up to internet platforms to moderate what speech they do or do not publish. Social media platforms generally ask users to agree to terms of service, but even after Trump violated Twitter's rules in the past, the platform wrote a new policy that allows them to leave up tweets by world leaders, even if they break the terms. So what was the tweet that finally earned Trump a warning sign from Twitter? In May 2020, Twitter enacted a new policy called the Civic Integrity Policy, which prevented public figures from interfering with electoral processes. So when the state of California announced intentions to expand mail-in voting due to the coronavirus, the president went to a classic Twitter rant. One tweet in his thread said that the delivery of mail-in ballots would, quote, be followed up with professionals telling all of these people, many of whom have never even thought of voting before how and for whom to vote. This will be a rigged election. No way. (laughs) This statement was blatantly false. Mail-in voting has proven to be safe and secure. When Trump went on to lose the presidential election in November, his team filed over 63 lawsuits to contest the election, and they lost all of them. So since his tweet violated the civic integrity policy, it was accompanied by a light blue exclamation point with the message, get the facts about mail-in ballots which directed users to a fact-checked news source that disproved the claim. Trump was finally removed from Twitter on January 8, 2021. This decision came in light of the horrific attacks on the U.S. Capitol two days prior. The tweet that finally got him banned was far from his worst. He praised his supporters and said that they, quote, "...will not be disrespected or treated unfairly in any way, shape, or form." He followed up the tweet confirming that he wouldn't attend Biden's inauguration, implying that he still believed the election results to be incorrect. On one hand, it's not as though his tweets deliberately told people to commit acts of violence, but at the same time, he didn't use his power to stop his supporters from attacking a building occupied by every single U.S. senator and his vice president. Instead, he called them American patriots. In a statement, Twitter wrote that they banned him because there is too much evidence that points to Trump's tweets being interpreted as encouragement for the breach of the Capitol. Many critics wish that Twitter would have banned Trump sooner, and then maybe the attack on the Capitol wouldn't have happened. But at the very least, now there's a precedent for social media companies to censor blatant disinformation from public officials. Remember, don't believe everything you read on the internet. Now, let's talk about music. On this day in 1999, music fans got word that Backstreet Boys' album, Millennium, had sold 1.13 million units in its first week. This established a new record for most single-week sales, which was previously held by Garth Brooks. Though the Backstreet Boys formed in Orlando, they made it big in Europe before the U.S. They released two records in Europe, and then compiled the best tracks from each album into one self-titled U.S. debut. Millennium came next. So depending on where you lived in the world, Millennium was either their second or third album. But the next year, Insync broke this record when they released their third album, No Strings Attached, which sold over 2 million copies in its first week, including half a million on its release date. Insync held this record for 15 years, and when Adele released 25, she sold 3.3 million copies in her first week. Adele still holds this record, which is even more impressive in the era of music streaming. Even though Millennium's most units sold in the week title was short-lived, the album still made its mark. Now it's sold over 24 million copies worldwide. Honestly, who's surprised? I want it that way as a banger. And now for our final segment of today's show, I'm gonna be going into my own photo archives to see what I was up to on a May 26th in my life on may 26 2018 i went to get dim sum with my family now this might not seem that exciting to you and i promise you it probably won't get more exciting than that i do have a photo here of my dad holding something that i think is very funny a pillow with the group bts on it my father knew at the time that i was a fan of bts in the year 2016 i'm still a fan of bts or no this is 2018 i'm still a fan of bts three years later but my dad picked up the pillow and was trying to analyze who was in the group and remember all the names of the different people inside of, of BTS. He could not do it successfully, but I have very fond memories growing up going to dim sum with my family. I have a photo here of my cousin eating, um, a meatball at dim sum. Her name is Kaya. I miss her a lot and she's in Oakland as well, but, um. yeah I think I wish I had kind of appreciated those moments a little bit more because now I'm in Brooklyn with my brother and while I love it here it definitely it's it's very I miss going to doom some a lot every Saturday with my family so appreciate the moments when you have them thanks for going back in time with me and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts you can come back tomorrow for more stories from yesteryear it's 365 with MXM2